One of the biggest challenges and changes that needs to happen when a teacher switches from a traditional teaching that focuses on vocabulary and grammar to teaching with comprehensible input, teaching for acquisition, proficiency-based teaching, communicative teaching, whatever it is you want to call it, where you focus on the expression interpretation of meaning, the biggest change that needs to happen is a shift in your mindset. This is something that was huge for me, and I know a lot of people are struggling with it right now also. This mindset shift that needs to take place will impact every decision you make as a language teacher, and it will impact how you look at your student's work, your student's performance in class, your student's abilities on their assessments, and really truly understanding where your students are at and looking at them in a whole new light. It impacts everything. And the first thing I want to talk about is the idea of assessing students. So when we make our mindset shift and focus on assessment, the assessment that we're used to, which is knowing certain vocabulary words or being able to manipulate um, verbs in a certain way and change them for different subjects and do all those things, it totally changes. Their ability is not focusing on that anymore. We're not teaching for that anymore. In our class, we're teaching for comprehension. We're teaching for students to understand what we're saying or what they're reading. And so when we are assessing them, we need to assess them to understand what we are saying or what we're reading. But that doesn't mean they're going to understand every word. That doesn't mean that they're going to be able to interpret every, every verb or every single thing we say correctly but it means that they're gonna be trying to get the main message that we're conveying. And as they move up in their performance levels, they're going to understand the main ideas and the supporting details. They're gonna understand all of what we're saying. The complexity of what we're gonna be able to share with them is going to become greater and they're gonna be able to understand it as well. So it's about shifting our thoughts on what we are assessing for. And so I know that sometimes when I have students do a writing assessment where they need to write in the target language about a certain topic or for a certain amount of time, when I look through their writing, I sometimes still cringe and will clench and find myself being like, oh man, but the verb here, or they said yo s, which is like I is in Spanish. And I'm like, oh, it's so bad. And in the past, like I would circle that, I would be like minus one, or if they forgot an accent point, minus a half, or an accent mark, minus a half of a point, and things like that. And I still fight that urge sometimes. But as I've, as I've made this transition, I have to think to myself when I'm grading their writing or when I'm listening to them speak, if they went to Mexico or to Costa Rica or to Spain and they said, yo es, someone might kind of look at them a little funny, but they would understand what they're trying to say. And so my biggest focus is when I look at their writing is, do I understand what they're saying? Is it comprehensible? And have I modeled that enough for them to be able to internalize that language? Because oftentimes the problems that come, and this is what I used to do when I was teaching with a textbook, is we would be doing a lot of practice with maybe a sentence or verb conjugations or vocabulary. And then when it came to the test, I'd be like, okay, I want you to write a paragraph explaining your likes and dislikes. And the kids would freak out. But that's because I wasn't modeling it for them. I wasn't showing it to them in class. I didn't show them what that's supposed to look like. And so, you know, the, eventual, the saying is what goes in will eventually come out. And that's what happens too. So if we want our students to be able to write strong sentences and paragraphs 
and convey their thoughts through writing, then they need to get a lot of reading. They need to read a lot of text that models that for them. And the same with speaking. If we want them to be able to speak well and to convey their feelings, their thoughts, their attitudes, their opinions and preferences and beliefs in the target language, then we need to model that speaking for them. They need to hear it a lot and read it a lot. They need that input before they're able to output. And so the biggest thing when you're looking at assessing students is what can they control? They can control their ability to share the main ideas that they understand, but that doesn't mean that every student's going to be in the same spot either because acquisition is a messy thing. For example, I might have one student who can understand the main idea and all of the details of what I shared, but I might have one student who can do the main ideas and maybe one supporting detail of what I shared. But that doesn't mean that they're not working hard in class and paying attention and doing their jobs. It just means that one student's brain was ready to acquire those structures and another hasn't, hasn't had enough repetitions or hasn't experienced it enough yet or that connection just hasn't happened. And they can't control that. So we need to set them up for success in how we are grading those assessments if they need to be graded. Oftentimes, I try to make my assessments so that all the students will get an A or a B on it, or if they don't try and they don't perform, I'll ask them to come in later and redo it with me because I don't want to punish them for, you know, if they had a hard day or they were tired or something like that, and I also don't want to, you know, let them kind of, quote, unquote, get out of having to do it because they're like, well, I don't even care. I don't want to try. So I'll have them come in and do it later. But again, the things I look for are meaning being conveyed and meaning being understood when we're talking about assessment with my mindset shift. We'll be back after a quick break. The last part about mindset that I want to address today, and I could probably talk for hours and hours about this, but I want to keep these short and sweet and to the point is when you're teaching in class, a lot of the same principles apply that I mentioned when I was talking about assessing students and your mindset shift, is that students will be getting different parts of the language when you're speaking and giving them input. So I could be sharing the exact same message to the whole class, but different students' brains are ready to acquire different structures and different pieces of the language at different times. And we have no control over that. So although some students might not understand a certain word or phrase that we say, they might get the main idea of what I'm saying. And some students might understand every single word. And we can't worry about trying to get so many repetitions in of every single word that we ever say in order to get every single student on the same page because you're going to lose your high flyers. You're going to lose those high students that are ready to move on. So if we are adjusting how we look at student success through the lens of all the students are going to acquire these things at different times and their brains are all in different places and we can't do anything to control that and they can't do anything to control that, then I think we can look at our lessons and say, did the majority of my students understand the main ideas of what I shared with them today? If the answer is yes, I think it's okay if you want to do some follow-up activities or you want to do some writing um, or some you know, reader's theater or some acting or things like that with those ideas and those lessons that you did. But I don't think you need to worry about lingering on a certain word or a certain phrase until every single student gets it. Because if it truly is high-frequency language, and that's what our main focus is, 
in our classes like this, it's going to come up again. Or the students are going to acquire things that they make connections with. So I have one student who really, really loves hockey. And now I know hockey is a really easy word in Spanish. It's a oki. Um, but she's going to acquire that structure of hockey because her brain is going to make connections with that. Whereas another student, they don't care about hockey. It's not going to matter. Same thing about different adjectives or um, ways to describe people or things like that. For example, this week I'm doing um, hero picture talks where I have different heroes of the students. You know, they gave me their heroes. And I'm sharing, you know, describing those different people, you know, um, talking about if they're generous, if they're kind. You know, I'm talking about Iron Man and talking about his suit and things like that. And the kids who are like really into Iron Man they might internalize and acquire the structures about the suit and that the suit has powers and things like that. But students who don't have that same connection and that desire, they're not going to acquire those structures. But I'm not worried about that because I want them to get the main idea of what I'm talking about. And the main focus is being able to describe people, their internal and external characteristics. And so if I were to describe five different people to these students they would all be able to tell me some of the descriptions I said and being able to say what those descriptions are, but they might not all have every single word, and they might have different parts of what I said. And that's okay, because language acquisition is messy. Our brains acquire it in, a, in their own way. It's the magic that happens that we can't control. And we need to go into class and understand not every student is going to get every word, and that's okay, that's normal. If you need to do some explicit teaching of vocabulary lists for common assessments or anything like that, then do that. That's okay. But we can't make CI do conscious learning. They're two totally different systems. And as soon as we can recognize that and understand that, then we can provide our students what they need. They need input to acquire the language, and that's going to be adding to their acquired competence. But then they might need conscious learning or a specific vocabulary practice where you do Quizlet or you do GimKit or something else that is going to be conscious learning of those words and phrases so that they can perform on an assessment that we don't have control over. And understanding those are two separate systems and that we don't have to use CI to hammer certain phrases into their head is going to be a huge freeing idea for many of us. And so I hope some of this helps you understand how you can shift your mindset and how things work and how acquisition is a little different than what we're used to um, and how to kind of take some of that weight off your shoulders because you're not responsible for all of it. You're responsible for being, speaking slow enough, for using gestures to aid in comprehension or using visual aids, for doing checks for understanding to make sure your students are with you, for teaching to their eyes, um, to see that they're engaged in what you're talking about. But you can't force their brains to acquire the language at certain points. So I hope that gives you a little bit of freedom and liberation feeling that way um, and also gives you some new, new ideas to to use in your classes to make your students and you feel successful.